Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Talk about intercessory prayer tonight. You know the scriptures teach us three major disciplines that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. When he told uh, us, when you give, do it a certain way. When you pray, pray a certain way. And then also when you fast, fast a certain way. So giving, praying, and fasting were mentioned by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount to reveal to us how we should give, for example, in secret so God can honor us. We should pray to our Father in a certain way so he can honor our prayers. And then also when we fast, and you know we've talked about a, a corporate fast because you can't have a corporate fast without letting people know that you're fasting. So there's a personal fast and there's a corporate fast. And so we're all fasting tonight, today, whether it's one meal, two meals, three meals, all, every, all day long. Whatever you've done, that's between you and the Lord. You can do it secretly that way. But we do so because it's a spiritual discipline that will help us. Not God, help us. He doesn't need help. We need help. He's okay. Amen. But it changes us. It doesn't change God, it changes us. It positions us to be more in tune with the spiritual aspects of our lives. And so, basically, we just did, we're going to do all three. We prayed, worship, and we gave. And now we're going to teach the Word of God, and we're going to do some more praying here after uh, this message is over, because there's certain things we want to uh, pray about and maintain uh, a proper prayer life, directing our prayers towards the things that are important to God upon the earth. So, first of all, God is looking for faithful intercessors, someone that would be dedicated to praying. In the book of Ezekiel, notice in chapter 22, and notice verses 30 and 31, and I sought for a man among them that they should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. Why, Lord? That I should not destroy it. But I found none. Isn't that heartrending right there? He was looking for someone to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. In other words, someone to intercede, someone to pray on the behalf of the people. Why? Because he did not want to judge them and he didn't want to destroy them. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord. So he had to do that because he's obligated to honor his word. And because that they were wrong in what they were doing, they were acting and living in disobedience and sin. And as a result, he was going to bring judgment upon them. But he wanted someone to stand in the gap, someone to make up the hedge, someone to intercede on their behalf so that he would not do that. How loving he is, how merciful he is. And even though he wanted not to do it, he had to do it because he's faithful to his word. And he's not a man to lie. He has to do what he said he was going to do. And you know, there was a law called sowing and reaping. When people sow certain things, they're going to reap certain things in their lives. And the point is, get it uprooted before judgment falls. And they didn't do that. And so as a result, they were judged. But obviously it could have been averted if they would have had someone to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. But now look over here in the book of Exodus chapter 32, because here we have an example of the opposite. You recall the story, they came down from Mount Sinai, you know all about the molten calf and all that, and they were sinning and everything else, and God was upset with them. And before these verses that we see up here, God said to uh, Moses, Moses, 
get down there because your people that you brought out of Egypt, I'm upset with them, I'm angry with them, I'm going to wipe them off the face of the earth, I'm going to disinherit them, uh, so let me alone, don't even talk to me because my wrath is waxing strong against the people. Remember that? Sure. Well, Moses then besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thou, why does your wrath wax hot against your people? They're your people, not my people, which you brought out or brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from off the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath. Hmm. Think about that. Turn from your fierce wrath. He's speaking to God. And repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants to whom thou swearest by thy own self and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken of will I give you unto you, under your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. What a powerful, powerful statement. The Lord repented of the evil that he thought to do his, to his people. Why? Because some man on earth stood in the gap, make up the hedge, and what did he do? He interceded on the behalf of the people, even though they were in gross sin. And even though God wanted to destroy them and wipe them out, but notice, he brought their attention, his attention, to the covenant that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and said, you can't do it. You may want to, but you can't do it. So, God is looking for people that will stand on this earth and be bold enough to hold his word up before him and say, Lord, look, see yourself in your word. This is what you said, and I know you have to honor it. And so we're going to stand in the gap, make up the hedge, and do our part so that you can then do your part. Then look in Genesis chapter 18. Here we have another uh, illustration about someone taking their place and doing their part. And even though it didn't work out maybe the way we wanted it to, or I'm sure they wanted it to, but it teaches us a lesson. Here's Abraham. And Abraham realizes that God is going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And God says, uh, before these verses, he says, can I, not, can I hide from Abraham, my servant, what I'm going to do in the earth? And so he reveals to him that he's going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. So Abraham draws near and says to God, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner to slay the righteous with the wicked and that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee shall not the judge of all the earth do right can you imagine talking to god like that I mean, we're not talking like to each other here your, your child he's talking to god and say aren't you gonna do the right thing here and the lord said if i find in sodom 50 righteous within the city then i will spare all the place for their sakes and Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? Now we're down to forty-five. And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he, he figured, I'm going to roll here. And he spake yet again, again uh, to him and said peradventure there shall be 40 found there and he said I will not do it for 40's sake he said to him oh let not the Lord be angry and I will speak peradventure there shall be 30 30 be found there and he said I will not do it if I find 30 there 
He said, Behold, now I have taken it upon me to speak unto the Lord, for adventure there be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. And he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. He probably should have gone down to one. At least he knew he was righteous there, or maybe a lot was there. And, but notice this dialogue that he's having with God. He's standing in the gap. He's interceding. He's making up the hedge. He said, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm trying to help these people out. And remember, if the works were done that were done when Jesus was on earth were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, the Bible said they would have repented. Jesus said they would have repented. But the point is, they were judged. Why? Because either he stopped there and probably could have gone further. I don't know. But there weren't, can you imagine not even 10 righteous in all of Sodom and Gomorrah? Not even 10 righteous were left in that land. And so judgment fell upon them. But the point was, he interceded on their behalf to try to stop it. Look at the next one in Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. Now we have another example of the church interceding on the behalf of Peter. Peter is sent to prison and probably facing beheading and, you know, all that goes with what they were doing back to to Christians back then. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And what happened was an angel appeared, opened up the, the gate and took off his chains and all that. And he was delivered from that situation. Why? Because the people of God prayed and interceded, stood in the gap, made up the hedge. In other words, one hand on Peter and one hand on God. One hand on God, and you could say one hand on the Israelites when Moses interceded for them. So he is standing in the gap, making up the hedge. And you know what? We could do that same thing for people today. People that are not walking with God, not serving God, or even other situations where people are in need of a divine intervention because of maybe physical sickness or disease or other situations, uh, relationships being restored and all that. And if people are not doing it right, you could put one hand on God and then have one hand on the other person or people group and go to God on their behalf and God can move through you to manifest his power, his glory in those people's lives. So his will can be accomplished and done. I believe it was um, Wesley that said that if, if people don't pray on earth, God's hands are tied. He can't do the things he wants to do. So that's why we're having a time of fasting and prayer and we'll continue to do so. Because we believe that the work of God is a supernatural work. It is the power of God in operation in the earth. And that comes as we seek his face and pray and look to him to manifest his presence, power, and glory. Number two, the intercessor stands between God and the people. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 5. He stands between God and the people. Notice this is Moses speaking. I stood between the Lord and you at that time. Think about that just for a moment. I stood between the Lord and you at that time. Isn't it wonderful to know that somewhere along the line, someone stood between the Lord and you so that you can come to him, so your need could be met, so you can be delivered, so you can be set free? Someone stood between the Lord and you so to see to it that you would be helped along the way, to show you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up into the mount. This is Moses when he got the Ten Commandments. He went there on their behalf to represent them before the Lord. And the Lord gave, of course, the law to Moses. But 
Here it is. He's interceding for them. He's taking his place. He's doing his part to get communication from heaven to the earth. Notice in Job chapter 16, you remember Job's situation that he brought upon himself because the fear that he greatly feared, he said, came upon me. And he didn't understand what was going on. But notice the statement that he made. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. In another place, he just said, oh, there, if there would be a, a go-between, a go-between, a mediator, a daysman between God and man. So in other words, he understood that there had to be some way that he can get to God. And if he couldn't do it directly, that there could be someone who could stand in the gap and make up the hedge and do something enable, to enable him to get to God and God to get to him. A daysman, a mediator. Aren't you glad for the greatest daysman, the greatest mediator who ever lived is Jesus Christ our Lord? He is the God-man, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God. He is the one who is our mediator at the right hand of God. He is our high priest, our mediator, our advocate. He is our surety, and he, praise God, is our intercessor. He's ever living to intercede for you and for me. I'll tell you what, we may fail, but he will never fail. And he's interceding for every single one of us so that we could succeed in carrying out the life mission that God has called us to. And then also, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, look at this one. Here, Daniel, of course, you know that they're in, in Babylon and they're in captivity and all that. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit more. The initiative, in other words, that we spend some time maybe fasting. And it doesn't have to be a long period of time. I think when people hear that word fasting, we get nervous. I know my body does. Does your body get nervous? For some reason, it gets hungrier. It starts rumbling. It starts talking to me. Uh, things I don't even like look good. Oh, my. <laughs> But anyhow, you, you get my point. The flesh rebels when it comes to fasting because it wants to be fed. It wants to be cared for. It wants to be taken care of. It wants us to do everything to cater to it. Well, you know what? You're not a body and neither am I. We're spirit beings. And sometimes you've got to just say, no, you can eat tomorrow. <laughs> How about it? And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Notice, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Now that is Daniel crying out, fasting, praying, standing the gap, making up the heads, confessing the sins of his people, which is why they were in captivity. And he's waiting on the Lord. It was a partial fast. He's waiting on the Lord and fasting and praying and then beseeching God on their behalf. And then sometime later, and you can see down in verse 12, Gabriel was sent to him with a message. And he said to him, I was sent the moment your words were spoken, but I was delayed by the prince of Persia who stopped me. But Michael came along to help me. See, there's a spiritual battle that's going on behind the scenes that we need to be aware of, which is why Daniel stood fast for those 21 days. It was a partial fast, but it was for 21 days that he stood there and he knew he believed within his heart 
that God would answer. And even though it may have been delayed for some reason, it didn't matter to him. He was staying with it. And sometimes that's how we have to be. We have to desire something so badly from God that we're not going to give up. We're not going to uh, falter. We're not going to faint, lose heart. Just because we don't see immediate results, we're going to stand firm in our faith. It's like Peter walking on the water. He got distracted and began to sink. But we don't get distracted. We know distractions will come, but we're not going to focus on that. We're going to stay fixed, firm in our belief in what we're believing God for. And we're going to see God work on our behalf. We're not giving up until we see the end result, the right result. Amen. And so Daniel did that, and that's exactly what happened. Gabriel came to him, gave him a revelation of certain things that were to come. And as a result, we also know that uh, the end times, uh, Daniel 7 is weak and, uh, about that. But that's not for tonight. Three, characteristics of successful intercession. Some characteristics of successful intercession. And if we want to succeed, we've got to do the same thing. We've got to be persistent, and we've got to be determined. Look in Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. We've got to be persistent. We've got to be steadfast. It's got to be continuous, something that's constant. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace, notice, day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence and give him no rest till he established and till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. In other words, he was raising up watchmen on the wall that would hold up Israel before him. Why? So he can accomplish his purposes in Jerusalem. And guess what? He's still working out those details right now. And guess what else? There's still watchmen on the wall being raised up. It wasn't just for that time. As a matter of fact, he's got some right here. How many of you pray daily for Israel and for Jerusalem? I know I do. Do you? Well, he's got some watchmen on the wall, even in this day in which we live. Continuing to uphold Jerusalem and the, the nation of Israel and Jerusalem before the Lord, that his peace would be upon them and that he would fulfill his purpose in their lives. And so we continue to do so, but notice day and night, day and night, day and night. So in other words, we've got to be persistent and stick with it and stay with it because we're going to be challenged by the enemy out there. Remember when Jesus told his disciples when he went to the rock of the garden and he came back looking for some kind of help in his time of need and they were asleep? What did he say? Watch and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So he's got to go back and do it on his own because they're falling back asleep. He goes to the rock in the garden, and beloved, he is interceding for you and for me. He is sweating as if it were drops of blood there at that rock in the garden. And that victory was won at the rock at the garden, in the garden, not just at Calvary. What enabled him to go to Calvary was his intercession that took place at that rock. An angel came and ministered to him, and praise God, he succeeded right then. And he goes, it's over. I've got the victory right now. And the same thing is true with us. We need to stay with it and not give up. Be persistent, be determined. Also, faith and patience. How are the promises of God received? Through faith and patience. Hebrews 6 and verse 12 tells us that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so we want to stand in the gap, make up the heads, lift up our loved ones before the Lord or whatever the need might be, and just, just not give up on it. Don't let go of it. Stand firm and believe. There are some things that we're going to continue believing God for for the rest of our lives. You realize that. And you realize when you leave this realm of life that your prayers can be caught up in golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints before the throne of God, even when you leave this realm of life. 
And you're in glory. Should Jesus tarry his coming and we off, go off into glory? You've got children left behind. You've got grandchildren left behind. You've got great-grandchildren left behind. Your prayers that you pray for them on a day-by-day -day basis are locked up, caught up in this golden valve full of odor before the throne of God. And God's got to watch over it. You see, the Israelites believed in the blessing. That they, the patriarch blessing, where they would lay their hands upon their, their children and, and their grandchildren and, and, and pass the blessing onto them. And then when they left, that blessing would still be upon them. And they believed in that blessing to manifest in their lives. And then they would just keep on passing it down from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And that's what God wants us to do. Same thing. There are certain things that we're going to keep before the throne of God and not give up. Stay with it until we leave this realm of life. Also, the next one, discipline and selfishness, uh, selflessness. Look at Daniel, once again, chapter 10. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pizza. I'm sorry. No, no pleasant bread. Neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Notice you talk about discipline and you talk about selflessness. In other words, I'm not concerned about catering to myself right now. I'm going to enter the throne of God and try to get help for my people. I'm not coming out until I get the answer that I need. And so if I deny myself, I deny myself. It doesn't matter how long it is. I'm going to stay with it. So he had to discipline himself to do it. And he was selfless because he wasn't concerned about himself, but the nation of Israel. And God used him mightily as a result. So he found someone that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge for him so, so for him to move here. And he got the answer. And praise God, uh, as a result, God's going to fulfill his work in Jerusalem. Amen. Amen. Now, some fo focus on some things that we should be interceding for on a daily basis. And we're going to do a little bit of this tonight here before we leave. Uh, number one, our nation. Our national leaders. We need to stop complaining about our government. Because all that does is, is, is add to the work of the enemy. We need to believe God, no matter who's in office. Can I say that properly? It doesn't matter to me who's in office. It doesn't matter at all. We've been called on by God to stand in the gap and make up the hedge for our national leaders and for our government. Look at the book of First Timothy, uh, chapter 2. I exhort, therefore, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet, peaceful life in our godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. They went on to say. So what's uh, he's saying? This is a time when he's making that statement that there were ungodly people in leadership positions, ungodly people. And he said, you've got to pray for them. So we need to daily lift up our government before the Lord and thank God for all those in political offices that he would infiltrate the government. And you heard me say before that he would bring his house into the White House into our houses so we can have revival here upon the earth. Pour out of his house into the White House and all that are there, all the representatives. And I realize that some people think that, you know, politicians are so crooked when they die, you've got to twist them and screw them into the ground. People think that. Someone told me that one time that, I don't know how true that is, but he's moved to glory right now. <laughs> but we need to pray for them. It's up to us to intercede on their behalf and pray that God would open up their eyes. And what's the main thing we want? Not our will, 
but God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want God to be glorified in this nation. We want him to be honored in our nation, do we not? We want his will accomplished among us. Praise God. So it's important that we recognize our need to lift up those in leadership positions, stand in the gap, make up the head so that God can do what he wants to have done in, in this nation in which we live. And not just ours, around the world also. And then also uh, the body of Christ. And, you know, we constantly lift up the body of Christ. Really, we've been called to fulfill the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is to go into the highways and byways of life and preach Jesus to a lost and needy world, right? But we need to be empowered by the Spirit in order to accomplish that goal. So look in the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Here Paul's talking about the armor of God, but then he concludes it by talking about prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. This is the whole body of Christ, and he's saying we need to lift up the body of Christ. Uphold the body of Christ. Pray for the body of Christ to come together shoulder to shoulder in orderly array, carrying out the purpose of God's will upon the earth and proclaiming Jesus to a world that is in need of Jesus. And so that's our responsibility. Look at Paul did in the book of Galatians, chapter 4 and verse 19. Look at what he did. My little children, he's writing to the church, in the churches at Galatia, the province. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. What's he saying? I brought you to the point of salvation. Okay, you've been born again. You're washed in the blood. You're a child of God right now. And that took a lot of prayer and intercession. But now I am groaning in travail until Christ be formed in you. It's one thing to come to Christ. It's another thing to have Christ take over our lives. And so when we first come to him, how many of you know we got a little bit of baggage when we first come to him? And some things that he's got to clean up in our lives. And Paul knew that, and so he's praying that. So we should do the same thing, whether it's our children, our loved ones, our grandchildren, whoever it might be, but also others in the body of Christ. We need to get on our faces before God and pray until Christ is formed in each and every one. Also, for those in leadership positions within the church, it, I'm talking the body of Christ, the whole church. Notice for boldness to speak, Ephesians 6, 19 and 20. Look at the next two verses that after verse 18 there. And for me, Paul's saying, pray for me, why the utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Notice he doesn't even say for my deliverance, but he's talking about, I want boldness to be able to proclaim Jesus everywhere I go, so pray for me on a continuous basis. Next one, for deliverance. Now in Romans chapter 15, look at this one. Pray for my deliverance. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, and that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints. So now he's under great persecution everywhere he goes, but he's asking for deliverance. He's asking for people to intercede on his behalf so that God would deliver him from the ways of evil and evil men. And then the next one. For an open door of ministry. Look in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 13. With all praying also for us. That God would open unto us a door of utterance. To speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. And so he says I want an open door. So everywhere I go the door is open for me to get in. There are places where he couldn't get in before. We talk about the 1040 window here today. Where there are people that have never heard the power of the gospel. The name of Jesus. And we're praying for the door to be open for them to get in. There are places that we know of that were, you know, they shunned the gospel. You couldn't get the gospel into certain countries. So pray that the door would be open so that people could get in. Go, so God needs us to pray. Stand in the gap, make up the hedge so that people can 
proclaim the gospel to those that are in need. For Israel, look at Psalm 122 and verse 6. What a mandate. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem that they shall prosper that love thee. It's important that we continue daily to lift up the nation of Israel so God's purposes can be fulfilled in that land. And then for the lost, Matthew 9, 37 and 38, Jesus said, look, Here's what he said. Then saith he to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So pray, 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 therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You have any loved ones in your family that are not saved? If you have unsaved loved ones, that's a harvest field. And you say, but they don't listen to me. I know that. So pray that God would send other labors of love to surround them, bind them to the word of God and bind the word of God to them. I guarantee you they'll get nervous. When the Holy Ghost begins to speak to their hearts by these other people that are coming along to, t to lead them down the right path, then they'll remember what you said. But pray for them. Pray that God would send someone across their path to open up their eyes to see the truth. You know, eternity is a long time. I have to, real quick, i got to share this with you. I preached last Monday at Peachtree down in uh, Chester. And uh, that's, that's where many are like 80 and older, for the most part. Um, that's where Dale and Mary Cooper... Uh, were before they departed to be with the Lord. But anyhow, I, w I spoke there on Monday and, and I looked over the c crowd that was there and I said, I've got to share something with you, but I want to make sure that you're all old enough to hear it. Because I'm going to talk about the facts of life. No one left, so I, I guess it was okay. So fact number one is that life is brief. Two, death is certain. Three, Judgment is sure. Think about that. Judgment is sure. Four, eternity is long. Long. And number five, preparation is necessary. You ever see yourself as someone that God wants to use to prepare someone else to enter his kingdom? Your loved one needs to hear something. Either a labor of love or you. And it starts with not your words, but your life and your lifestyle. And the way you live will speak to their hearts. Amen. So God wants us to be examples and God wants us to help others to come into the kingdom and we can do that by living our lives in such a way that they can hear what we say because they see how we live. Can you say amen to that? And finally, uh, let's pray for the supernatural. We're going to do this tonight. Look at Acts chapter 4. Remember the story? The layman was healed at the uh, temple, uh, the gate called Beautiful. Remember that? And then um, after he, they, he was healed, the, Peter and John were brought into question, and they were threatened by the religious leaders of the day. And when they let them go, they went to their own company, reported all that the chief priests and elders said to them, and they lifted up their voice, and they began to pray. And part of their prayer, this is the end of their prayer, and he says, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants with all boldness we may speak thy word by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And after they had prayed... The place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness. In other words, we need signs. We need wonders. We need God to manifest himself by bowing the heavens under the earth and showing himself strong, touching hearts, changing lives. You know, and, and without the supernatural, we just become what? A social organization. But the church is not a social entity or organization. It is a supernatural work of God. That God raised us up to represent him upon this earth and we need the supernatural. So we've got to believe together for the supernatural to be in manifestations. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today.
On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get to a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.